Before then, 595, let's stand up and sing, Send the Light, 595. out there. I want to hear you men singing, all right? That echo in that chorus, all right? Let's try verse two. We have heard the Macedonian call today. Send the light, send the light. And a golden offering at the cross we lay. Send the light, send the light, send the
Take your copy of God's Word, please, today. If you didn't bring along a Bible, there should be one in the rack in front of you. And open to the very first book of the Bible, uh, the book of Genesis. And if you would, please find chapter 24. Uh, We'll be there for the most of our time today, so you want to leave that open in front of you. Uh, Genesis chapter 24. Dave Early, in his book, 14 Secrets to Successful or to Better Parenting, uh, powerful principles from the Bible, writes this. One hot summer day as I prepared to mow the lawn, I noticed that my preschool age sons, Daniel and Andrew, were imitating my every move. When I filled the mower with gas, they both pretended to pour gas into their little red plastic mowers. When I pulled the cord to start my mower, they pulled their pretend cords to start theirs. When I pushed my mower out into the grass... They pushed their little red mowers into the grass. When I turned at the end of the yard, they turned at the end of the yard. When I stopped the mower to wipe sweat off my forehead, they both stopped to wipe sweat off their foreheads. It was all very cute. Then he says, on that particular summer day, I felt a rush of pride as my sons imitated my every move. That is until they saw me grumble and kick my mower because it wouldn't restart. And they both grumbled and kicked they're little plastic mowers. Ever been there, moms and dads? Yeah, I have too. Parenting is serious business. We need all the help that we can get when it comes to parenting. And today we're going to be helped in this area by joining our man Abraham again. Last year we were looking at Abraham, a sermon series called A Faith That Follows. And we set that aside, forced for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we're going to come back to that series And look at it today, and then we'll probably look at it once more this month and complete uh, that series. But today we're looking at Genesis chapter 24. And you'll notice, if you've already gotten there or when you get there, that it's a very long chapter. In fact, you'll notice Genesis chapter 24 has 67 verses. More space is taken up with the subject of Genesis chapter 24 than is given to the very creation of the world. And so it's very interesting to see how much time and attention is given to this particular topic, this particular subject. Now, at this point in our story, Abraham is very old. Would you look there in verse 1? It says in Genesis chapter 24, verse 1, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Now, we know by looking at other scripture and comparing some things that Abraham was 140 years old at this time. Now, remember, he began walking with God, the walk of faith, when he was uh, 75. And so you do the math. He's been walking with the Lord now for 65 years. At this point in the story, Sarah is dead. His beloved wife, Sarah, is dead. And after all these years and all these blessings... And 65 years of walking with God, what is on Abraham's mind? What is he thinking about? What is he focused on? Well, let's look at the several uh, next verses and uh, see what he's thinking about. Look at verse 2. So Abraham said to his oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh. He's getting ready to have him swear an oath. That's why they did it back then. Uh, Unusual to us, normal to them. Verse 3. And I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven... And the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son, for the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son. At this point in his life, Abraham is thinking about the future. 
He's thinking about Isaac. He's thinking about Isaac's need for a wife. Now remember, if you've been with us, that God has made promises. God made a covenant to Abraham. I'll share with you again what it was all about. Genesis 12, 1-3. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, it's interesting also to note what the Bible says, what God says about him in chapter 18, verse 19. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him. That they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. You see, Isaac is the promised heir. They had him very, very later in life to them. Abraham was a hundred years old uh, when Isaac was born. He was his beloved son. He was his heir. And God says, listen, I'm going to make a great nation of you. and be a blessing to everybody. But in order for that to take place, Isaac had to have a wife. He had to get married. He had to have a wife in order to have offspring to carry forth God's covenant and God's promises. Now, what we're going to learn here is not just any wife will do when it comes to Isaac. You see, in this passage, we learn some powerful truths when it comes to faith-filled parenting and some powerful truths concerning marriage. We're going to touch on both of them here in our message today. Now, the question is, here we are, it's 2013. Have you gotten used to writing that yet? You still put the two or have you added the extra little swish there and added it to a three? We're in 2013. What can we learn today from a story as old as this one? Well, beloved, you might be surprised. Let's look at it. I want to share three main thoughts today concerning how to be a faith-filled parent. A faith-filled parent. You know, we're looking at Abraham and his faith and his faith in God. So we're talking about being a faith-filled parent. And faith just exudes from this passage. Number one, if you're taking notes, as a faith-filled parent, I must honor God. As a faith-filled parent, I must honor God. As I said before, Isaac is the promised heir. To continue the covenant, he needs a wife. But not just any wife. So Abraham wanted to ensure some things in this passage. Number one, he wanted to make sure that Isaac did not end up marrying a Canaanite. Now the question is why? What was wrong with the Canaanites? Well, one reason he didn't want Isaac to marry the Canaanite or a Canaanite is he did not want Isaac to be turned away from the Lord by a pagan because the Canaanites were pagans. And so he didn't want him marrying with them. He, uh, He didn't want Isaac to end up in idolatry. Worshipping or serving a false god. And so he says to his servant, I want you to swear to me, you'll go to my country, my family, and secure a wife for Isaac. Look there at verse 5. And the servant said to him, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Now that makes sense, doesn't it? Imagine here this servant comes in, he's seeking a wife, and he says, what if she won't come with me? I mean, they didn't have a photograph of Isaac. Uh, They didn't have Facebook. They they couldn't uh, instant message one another. They didn't have any of that. Couldn't call and talk to them on the telephone. He's going to this land to secure a wife. What if she won't come? Look at verse 5 again. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house in the land of my family, 
and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. This is long before God instructed the children of Israel not to marry with other nations. Abraham wanted to honor God. He says, don't even take my, don't even take my son back to my homeland. Why? Well, they're right now living in the land of promise. God had led them here. And he didn't want to even risk the fact that maybe Isaac would go back. And Isaac would find a wife or a woman he liked. They'd fall in love, but she would not be willing to leave that land. That would be very tempting for Isaac to say, you know what? I'm not going back to the promised land. I'm staying right here in what he thought was his own promised land. He did not want a woman to turn Isaac's heart away from the Lord and away from the will of the Lord. And so we know things are real different today. More than likely, moms and dads, you're not planning or you're not arranging your children's marriage. I'm going to assume that today. The majority of parents today are not arranging it. Now, perhaps you'd like to. You'd like to arrange your child's marriage. You probably heard that it takes two to make a marriage, right? It takes two. An anxious mother and a single daughter. <laughs> two to make a marriage. While in our day and age, in our country, where we live today, we don't arrange things for our children. We certainly influence our children, don't we? Don't answer out loud, but what kind of person do you want your child to marry? Someone handsome or beautiful. Someone successful, wealthy. Someone who will make you, as the parent, look good. Maybe expand your contacts. Did you notice who Isaac, I mean, who Abraham wanted for his son Isaac? You read it there. Look at it again. Look at verse 7. Look at the faith of Abraham. Look at his desire. The Lord God of Abraham, Lord God, the Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, to your descendants I give this land. Notice the next part. He will send his angel before you. And you shall take a wife for my son from there. Do you see the faith? You know who Abraham wanted for Isaac? He wanted God's will for Isaac. He wanted the one the Lord had for Isaac. He wanted the one the Lord had prepared to join and be a part of this covenant and this promise. Abraham wanted God's choice for his son. He wanted God's will. And as a Christian parent... Be honest with yourself. What do you really want for your children? Now, don't answer out loud, but be honest with yourself. Think about it a moment. What do you really want for your children? Here are some possible answers. I want my children to be healthy. I want them to be happy. I want them to be successful. Some might say, I want my child or children to be a good student. To be a great athlete. Some might say, if they're honest, I want to make a lot of money so they can take care of me when I'm old. Uh, I want to be a lawyer. Be a doctor. Some of you aren't thinking that far in the future. If you were honest, you might say something like this today. I just want them to stop fighting with each other. Get along. I just want them to eat their vegetables. I just want them to clean their room. But, but I want you to think long range. I want you to think very long range here for some. What do you really want for your children? Don't answer what you think you ought to on Sunday morning in church. Be honest with yourself. What do you really want for your child? Did it ever occur to you, beloved, that you should desire that your children be godly? That is, your desire should be for them to know God and to follow God. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
You see, beloved, beauty fades. Wealth is spent. But your child is going to live in one of two places for all eternity. A horrible place called hell or a wonderful place called heaven. You see, your child needs to meet the Lord Jesus Christ personally. They need to develop their relationship with Him. They need to know God. And God has entrusted them to you. He's given you those children. Now, beloved, that's an awesome truth and an awesome responsibility. Parenting is a sacred trust. And so when it comes right down to it, what should we desire? We should desire for them what God wants for them. Our true desire for our children should be God's will for their life. We want them to be a man of God or a woman of God, whether they end up being a preacher or a brain surgeon or a garbage man. Whatever it is that God has for them in their life, and all those things are noble occupations, by the way. But whatever it is that God has for them, that's what you want for them. Whatever that means, wherever that leads, whoever that spouse might be for them. We want them to be godly. You see, we believers, we don't measure things the way the world measures things. At least we shouldn't. We use eternal measurements. We realize that life is fleeting. This life is very short. We have eternity in view. We realize, like Abraham did, this is not our home. Our home is in heaven. We're just pilgrims passing through. And so we want what God wants for them. And beloved, as parents, we want to be a godly model for them. We want to live a life in front of them that is a godly life. We want our walk with God to be real. You know, children can spot a phony real quick. They know what's important to you. They know if you want to be here today or not. They know what's important in your life and your family. We want to honor God with our lives, moms and dads. And we want our children to honor God with their lives. You see, it's not enough to have a goal that they be moral. Sad to say, some Christian, they really, that's their goal. Just hope they be moral or not get in trouble. That's not a high enough goal. Our sights are higher. Our sights are God's glory to be exalted, to magnify Him. And so if I'm going to be a faith-filled parent, first of all, I must honor God. Now, number two. As a faithful parent, I must follow God. I must follow God. Now, Abraham's been walking with God for a long time. 65 years at this point. And he desires to keep following Him. And he's going to follow the Lord here through His servant in this instance. Let's look quickly and see how the Lord directed. Let's read the story. If it's a new one, you'll be wild. If it's an old one, hope you'll be wild all over again. It's a beautiful love story. A beautiful way God led them. Look at verse 9. It says, so the servant put his hand into the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, Please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now, let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant, Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness, my master. Now you get the picture. You got the setting. He's got his camels kneeling there. He's by the well. The daughters are coming out to go into the well and to get water. It would have been something they would have walked downstairs and they would have been carrying a pitcher of water. And he basically prays, 
God, lead me, guide me, bless my master Abraham. Let it be the one I ask for a drink who says, you, you can have a drink and I'll get water for your camels. Let her be the one. Now look at verse 15. And it happened. Before he had finished speaking. Don't you love it when God answers your prayers that quick? I mean, you had not got to the amen yet. He's already answered. Before he finished speaking, that behold, Rebekah. Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now, the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher up and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. Just a little. So she said, Drink, my lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they finish drinking. Now, it's real hard for me not to go into just what a wonderful lady Rebecca was. I may say that for another message somewhere in the future. But you realize what she's saying here. I've been reading and a camel could drink anywhere in what I've studied this week. Anywhere from 5 to 25 gallons, I think it was, a camel. And he had 10 camels. This wasn't just watering some little cat somewhere. This is watering a, a camel. A bunch of them. So she's beautiful. She's a virgin. She's Industrious. I'm giving you my outline for the next sermon, I guess. It says in verse, nine, uh, verse 20, Then she quickly emptied her pitcher to the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, drew for all his camels, and the man wondering at her remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. So it was, when the camels had finished drinking, that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel, don't get any ideas, kids, and two bracelets for her wrist weighing ten shekels of gold. So he presented her with this you know, beautiful uh, nose ring, if there is such a beautiful nose ring, and, and and uh, uh, I'm not a nose ring person either, so y'all just. Bless you if you are. I have nothing against you, but I, I just personally. I just hope somebody bring me some gold is all I'm asking for now. <laughs> Say if I, I don't like something, y'all keep bringing it to me. So I don't like gold. I don't like the Caribbean either, so uh, anyway. Where am I at? Verse, verse 23. And said. Whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, We have both straw and feed enough and room to lodge, so she's very hospitable. Then the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who's not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. Fast forward. They go and meet Laban. Laban's a very interesting character in Scripture. Uh, they talk. They exchange the story, tell the testimony. Next day, fast forward, verse 58. Then they called Rebecca and said to her, Will you go with this man? Now think about that question. Will you leave everything you know, your family, everything, and follow this man to be the bride of someone you've never seen before? I see a lot of faith in Rebecca. She says, I will go. Verse 59, so they sent away Rebecca, their sister and her nurse, Abraham's servant and his men, and they blessed Rebecca and said to her, look at this, look at this, they bless her, and it came to pass, 
Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Little did she know just what God had in store for her. Verse 61. Then Rebekah and her maids arose, and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac came from the way of Beer Lahart Roy, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. Now I can imagine uh, knowing what was taking place. Men, how would you feel to know that uh, somebody had gone to get you a wife? You didn't know what she's going to look like, what she's going to be like. I imagine there's a lot of meditating in the field, don't you? A lot of praying, a lot of seeking of the Lord. Uh, but it says there in verse 63, He lifted up his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel, for she said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah and she became his wife. And he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. What an awesome, true love story this is. Do you realize a lot of Bible scholars see a picture of salvation in this story? They, they see Abraham picturing God the Father. They see Abraham's servant picturing the Holy Spirit of God. And then they see Isaac as picturing the Lord Jesus Christ. And what happens is the father sends the servant to seek a bride, Rebekah, whom they see as us, the church, the bride of Christ, to secure a bride for the Son. What a beautiful picture. God the Holy Spirit goes forth seeking and calling and convicting and bringing people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we are the bride of Christ, the church. What a beautiful picture that is. Friend, do you know Jesus Christ today? So you must meet Him personally. If not, let me encourage you today. Let me challenge you to repent of your sin and place your faith totally and completely in Him. See, if we're going to be a godly parent, a godly mom or dad, even a godly man or woman, godly young person, that starts by knowing God. And the only way to know God is through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible declares that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We've all sinned. The wages of sin is death. But the Bible says... That God sent His Son because He loved us so much. And the Bible tells us that Jesus loved us so much that He voluntarily gave His life on that cross and died for you. And if you'll turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ, He will save you. He'll make you a child of God. He'll forgive your sin. He'll, he'll give you a home in heaven. He'll make you a part of the bride of Christ. If you've never met the Lord Jesus, come to Him today. Come to Him today. Now, after you're a child of God, after you've been saved, you know what? Your goals for your children should line up with God's goals for your children. And when it comes to marriage, this is what this passage is primarily about, God's sovereignty and keeping the covenant, but marriage, and we, we learn lessons about parenting. What should our desire be when it comes to our children and their marriage? Let me put it real plain. Our desire should be for them to marry a man or woman of God. To marry a man or woman of God. See, God's word is very clear. Jot this reference down. 2 Corinthians 6.14 Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? We don't think a lot about yokes today, but you know you put a yoke on a, a set of animals for them to do work together and you put them together. And the idea is believers should marry believers. It's just plain and simple. 
Just They should marry a believer. It even makes good common sense, doesn't it? Because if you're a man or woman of God seeking to please God and honor God and live for God, and you marry someone who does not even know God or has no desire for God, there's going to be conflict and heartache from day one. And so we should desire for our children, first of all, to know God themselves, and then to marry someone who knows God and loves God. So our desire is for them to marry uh, a believer. Now listen, young person. Only date someone whom you really could marry. Look for someone who loves God. Look for someone who desires to honor God. And seek to make that a person that you, you are looking for in your life. And trust God and pray. And don't get in a hurry. But give it to the Lord. Now moms and dads, look around. Look around the church. Your future son-in-law or daughter-in-law might be sitting a couple of rows over from you. So look around. I know it's scary for some. But look around. It's happened here before, hasn't it? There's couples here that are sitting together as man and wife. They used to sit somewhere else in the family, right? And then they started sitting together. Then they ended up together. Now listen, what I'm saying to you is this. That might be the case. Your child's spouse might be here. That might be hundreds of miles. Might be thousands of miles from here. But here's what I want you to understand, moms or dad. Start praying for him or her right now. Start praying for your child's spouse right now. Now think about that. You say, well, oh, they're my child's just a baby. They're just five, six, seven. You can begin investing right now in your future grandchildren, your future great-grandchildren, those who will come after you. Begin praying for your children's spouses right now. You may not know who they are, obviously, but you begin praying God's blessing upon them. You pray for their moms and dads as they bring up those children. Pray for their purity. Pray for God's blessing on them. Bless your family even now, long before. Grandparents, pray for your grandchildren, their future spouses. Continue investing. While you may be in heaven long gone from here, the blessings that you can receive because you invested in the lives of your children and grandchildren. Now this scripture doesn't say so, but don't you think it's safe to assume that Abraham was in prayer about this trip? I think he prayed about it before he talked to the servant. I think he prayed while the servant was gone. I think Isaac was praying about it. Oh, Lord, please don't let him bring back this and that. But anyway, uh, they were praying, I'm sure, bathing this in, in prayer. And he had great faith in God's direction. He will send this angel. He will show you the one. Great faith. And if I'm going to be a parent who honors the Lord, I first of all must honor him. And second, I must follow him. If we're going to be faith-filled parents, we must honor God, we must follow God, but there's a third thing here. If I'm going to be a faithful parent, I must trust God. Period. Look back at verse 7 and 8 again. Abraham says, The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house in the land of my family, who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I will give this land. He will send His angel before you. You shall take a wife from my son from there. But look at verse 8. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. Now Abraham had great faith. But notice that his faith and his trust in God was in God no matter what. In other words, he says, listen, if she will not come back with you, God will make another way. God will keep His word. God will keep His promise. He was going to trust God no matter what. He had great faith. Trust God. Do you honestly want your child, your children, 
Mom and Dad, I want you to hear this. Do you honestly want them to be disciples of the Lord Jesus who follow the Lord's will no matter what? Now, what happens sometimes, say, listen, I want my, I want my kids to follow the Lord and, and love God, but I don't want them to be a missionary. I don't want them to move out of the state. I don't want them to get too far. I don't want them to marry a Yankee. I married a Yankee. Uh, I can get away with saying that y'all can't. Uh, I, I don't want them to, to, to end up doing this. I don't want them to end up going to this school. I don't want them to end up doing... You, you fill in the breast. Can you honestly say, listen, I want my child to follow the Lord, honor Him, serve Him, no matter what. Period. If you cannot say that, Christian, then what you've done is revealed some real issues in your own life. It's interesting, 3 John, little book, 3 John 1, 4 says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now that's true in that case concerning spiritual children, those that you've led to Christ. That's primarily what he's talking about there, I believe. But if it's true in the spiritual realm that you're delighting that those you've led to Christ, your spiritual children are walking in truth, how much more should it be that your physical children are walking in the truth? They know Jesus. They love Jesus. They're serving Jesus. Is it your greatest joy in life to see your children walking in the truth? If not, why not? If it's not living for God and His glory, then something is wrong in your life, mom or dad. It shows that your priorities are not right. And as a mom or dad, you might need to come today and say, Listen, Lord, I surrender my life to You. I surrender my children to You. I surrender my future and their future. I give You our family. I give You our all. Lord, we want to honor You. We want to follow You. We want to trust You. Use my children however You want to use them. I'm going to trust You no matter what. See, for some, your goals need to change. Your priority needs to change. Your outlook needs to change. Matthew 6.33 says it this way, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. A lot of people say, Oh, I'll seek God's kingdom. It's, it's fifth on my list. It's, it's sixth. No, it's first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. God is to have first place in your life and in your family's life. So be honest with yourself today. Do you really want your children to honor, follow, and trust God no matter what? If not, why not? By the way, some of you might be thinking, though, well, my children are grown and gone. It's too late. Well, there's one thing I didn't mention from this story that you need to know. Isaac at this time is not 16. He's not 26 or even 36. Isaac is 40 years old in this story. So how do you know that, preacher? Genesis 25, 20 says Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife. Now think about that for a moment. While your child, your children may not be under your roof anymore, lest they're a boomerang. That's the common trend now. You know, a boomerang, sure, they go off and then they come back with a boomerang. And they come back. But they may not be under your roof anymore. They may not be under your authority anymore. They're grown. They're a man or woman. Listen, are they under your prayers? See, you can cover them in prayer no matter how old they are. You can pray for them. What do you really want for your children? 
They're watching you. You learn real quickly as a parent that a lot is really caught instead of taught. Have y'all noticed that? (laughs) They're following with their little red plastic mowers. They're watching your life. They begin to imitate you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. They begin to repeat things you thought that you never should have said after they repeated. They begin to share things. They begin to act like you. And while that might be a good thing in certain ways, it sure can be embarrassing in other ways, can it? But let me ask you, what do they see when they see your life? Do they see a man or woman who seeks to honor God and follow God and trust God no matter what? Do they see someone who says, listen, life is about God. We're privileged to know Him. We're privileged to serve Him. He is a gracious, good God. And our lives are blessed. But God is our number one priority. See, they're watching you. So be careful. If we're going to be faithful parents, we must honor God, we must follow God, and we must trust God. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. We're going to close in prayer. Don't answer out loud. Are you a faith-filled person? Are you a faith-filled parent? Even if you're not a parent, you're not even married today, I can ask you the same question. Are you a person who seeks to honor God and follow God and trust God no matter what? Father, it is with a grateful heart that we bow today in your presence. You brought us to this place in our life. We thank you for that. We thank you for the challenge from Abraham's life and Isaac's life and Rebecca's life. We thank you that you're a faithful God who has seen fit all these years to keep your promise to Abraham and you will fulfill that promise. And Father, we thank you for including us in your plan that all who come to Jesus Christ shall be saved. I pray today for those of this service and maybe those listening later who do not know God, that they would turn from their sin and place their faith in Jesus Christ this morning. And then I pray, Father, for the moms and dads here. Help us to be godly parents, to be filled with faith. Help us to honor you in all things. Help us to follow you and your will. Help us to trust you. Lord, use the boys and girls and young people from this congregation to touch the world with the gospel. I pray that you would raise up full-time Christian servants from this place. Preachers, preachers' wives, missionaries, Christian school teachers, all kinds of folks who would give their full time and attention to your service. And Lord, may they be backed with moms and dads who say, I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in the truth. Lord, work in our lives today. Help us to be honest before you. I pray if some need to come and surrender and give their lives, their future, their family to the Lord, they do that in this final few moments together. I pray in all things, may Jesus Christ be magnified and glorified. Holy Spirit, do a work in our midst today. Your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn this morning is 312.
the altar is open. If you need to be saved today, come let me know. I'll put you with someone who loves Jesus and loves you. They'll share the gospel with you. Mom or dad, if you want to come pray today, you do that. Young person, you want to come pray, give your life to the Lord today, you do that. 312, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Come home, come home. You come as we sing. 312, let's stand and sing. Thank you.